a good day to be on the air with you and then head over to World Dairy Expo. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you on a Tuesday. Pam, Charity, Nate, and myself will be at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison all day today. If you spot us, say hi. World Dairy Expo's trade show kicks off today at 9 a.m. The cattle shows start earlier with jerseys hitting the colored shavings at 7 this morning. And it's going to be warm, a high near 85 degrees, but don't let that stop you from grabbing a grilled cheese today. It'll be generally sunny despite a few afternoon clouds, winds moving from 10 to 15 miles per hour. We'll get a more in-depth forecast from our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck, in a little bit. This morning, we also hear from an 18-year-old who has a very important job at World Dairy Expo, and he traveled internationally to get it done this week. And at the bottom of the hour, John Heinberg, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing, joins us with why we saw corn and wheat rallying as we kicked off a new month. Stick around. As a proud supporter of the pork industry, Compure Financial sends a special thank you to producers during National Pork Month. Compure recognizes the dedication it takes to produce safe and nutritious pork products for our nation and world, and is grateful to all the hardworking farmers and their families. Give your local Compure team a call at 844-426-6733 or visit Compure.com for your lending and other financial needs. Compure Financial is an equal credit opportunity lender and provider. Copyright 2021. All rights reserved. This week during World Dairy Expo, you will hear a lot of emphasis on technology. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. It might be technology in equipment, software, maybe an app that's on your smartphone. The good news is a lot of this technology is helping to keep young dairy producers in the industry. Michelle Coles is one of those. She's a young dairy producer in northeast Wisconsin, Jillet to be exact. She is farming side by side with her dad. Not a big dairy operation, but thanks to technology, it affords her a quality of life that's keeping her in dairying. And that's not something she expected. No, I did not at all. Well, when I graduated, we only were milking 200 cows, and I just thought, piggyback on with my dad like do what he's doing he's already he already has a great farm he's a great herds guy a great cow guy so I'm like I'm just gonna learn from him just keep doing what he what he's doing and then um as time went on it just opportunities just started presenting themselves things kept going advancing and just little things like this little technology stuff like this this kept adding up and Hopefully we get more technology advanced in the future. But well, yeah, and one of the points you made is people almost feel sympathy for dairy farmers yeah. because of the work, but it's hard, you have it's a different work. way. Yeah, it's hard work, but it's not like they did 50 years ago. It's, yeah. it's still hard work. It still takes a lot out of me, but at the same time, I have a whole other... I have a family. My fiancé doesn't work on the farm. He works off the farm, so I have majority of my weekends off like sometimes I have to go out like if I get an alert or if I look at my phone and there's a sick cow I gotta take care of I would say one out of four weekends I'm working the whole weekend or I just pop in and out as Mm -hmm. things come up and I have most of my weekend off and I can spend it with my family or if I come in at five o'clock I don't have to get a call at six o'clock there's down cow because I didn't notice it before I got Mm -hmm. into the house or stuff like that so it just allows me to have more of a regular life i guess well and i don't want people thinking that you're swinging big technology because you've been kind of measured on your approach to investing in technology yeah yeah so i mean there's a lot more stuff that we can be using like there's gates that will sort cows out for me that uh need help that are sick that need to get bred that need any type of attention and i don't have to go out into the freestyle barn to grab them um there's a whole parlor that our parlor is really nice right now 
as it as it is, but there's a whole nother level of monitoring even as the cows are getting milk that I, we have not tapped into yet, which I would love to in the next 10 years, 20 years. And it's been a trial and error situation. It's not like you've been hitting it out of the park every time you pick a piece of technology. No, um, we had a herd monitoring system maybe eight years ago we started with, and it just it didn't work out that great. The collars weren't accurate. They weren't they were the batteries were dying really fast. Um, mm-hmm. They just it just wasn't working Simple out. Stuff. Simple stuff. Simple stuff. Yeah. You know, and the other part that people don't think about with technology is it's really helped you. Uh, I'll say grow your staff or make your staff see a future working with you. Yeah. So some of our milkers have kind of evolved into seeing cows for more than just the things that come through the parlor that they throw a milking unit on. They like, it kind of allows them to be more cow people. Like Helen said before, people that don't have a cow eye also have the ability to have the cow eye, can understand cows better. And you work really hard at building the relationship you've got. How many staff do you does the dairy have? Um, we have six milkers, and then we have one full-time guy, Nick. It's been with us since he's been 14 or 15 mm-hmm. years old. So he's been there a long time, but um, we have a great relationship. I try my hardest um, to find out anything about their lives that they want to share, I, I take interest. I and genuinely take an interest in their lives. Like they have their stories coming into this country or anything are really interesting, actually. And it's not it's not something you should just like sleep on. Like there are opportunities to get to know your employees out there that if you just sleep on them, then then you miss that, and then you missed a, a misconnection. Well, and you want them to see that you live the same life that they do. Same. Yeah. You don't you don't treat them like labor. No, they're not just labor. It's just just because they, you expect them to come to your farm every single day, you can't expect them to not be kind of like family. Like back 50 years ago, the people that came to your farm every single day were family. You worked with your family every single day. So now the people that you got coming to your farm that you want to work and do a good job, you got to treat like family because they are just regular people just like us. Everybody's a human. And it's not just the day-to-day conversation. You live it, you walk it, tell them a little bit. It's in the housing, and it's also in the way that you uh, help them understand their performance's impact on the dairy. Yeah, so first off, we all, we provide housing for our milkers, and it's it's houses that I would live in. It's houses, if there's not something right in them, we fix it right away, or we make sure that it's conditions that anybody in this world would be comfortable living in. And um, I forgot what it was. And then the incentives, or how you keep them engaged, that technology, the information you get, you share with them, but you also reward them. Yeah, so, I mean... We get a cement XL um, check every month as a bonus. If we have under 100000 we try to um, distribute that out to the employees too, just to kind of give them an idea that they're doing a good job. Or, I mean, some people say that they don't want to do monetary bonuses, but our employees really react well to monetary bonuses, so we're just going to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. No, t- tell me, how long have they been with you? What What's the feedback from them? Because if you get them engaged in the process, then they come up with ideas too. Yeah, they've been with us since 2020. I want to say January of 2020, we um, got our current labor force or milk force. Mm-hmm. Milk force. Um, but uh, yeah, we just we keep them informed of what's going on in the dairy, and we keep them knowing of that their day to day steps and chores aren't just a mundane task. We would try to teach them the how and why behind stuff. So a lot of them, they came from not cow backgrounds and a lot of them have grown to really love cows because now they understand cows and it it makes them feel good to know that they're helping them. Have you been able to retain 
your employees? I mean, you guys aren't the only dairy in town. Have you been able to retain them because of not only your approach to them, but also this technology option? Yeah, we... um Half of the employees that we hired uh, in 2020 when we switched labor forces are the same ones that have always been here. Um, the main, the first family that came here is, is came to us is the same family that's still working for us. So, and they just if we if someone wants to leave, they know like a cousin or a friend or somebody that wants work, and they will send them our way. And they, it's nice to know that our employees are doing well at our house right now or our farm already doing well so they're going to bring in people that they want to work with and they trust and our friends or family members so that kind of helps too paint me a picture you said you know that sort gates would be like a wish list but truly as a young woman did you ever expect that you would be hands-on in the game a dairy farmer or did you think you'd be like some of us in the audience in agribusiness I kind of had no idea what I was getting into. I knew, well, I went to college for two years at uw Marinette just to get to my generals uh, done. Yeah, and yeah. I just, because I wasn't really sure where I wanted to yeah, go. Because yeah. I, I know I grew up loving farming, but I also didn't know what else was out there. Yeah. So then I um, graduated from Marinette with my general study yeah. or whatever. And then I went to River Falls. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to go into the dairy industry. Like, I just can't find anything else that I like enough. Mm-hmm. So then... Probably my junior, halfway through my junior year, I'm like, yeah, I want to go back to the farm. <laughs> like, I don't know why, just, just probably the fact that I had a good farm to go back to, and my dad is a great uh, example of how to farm, yeah. and he's a um, a good guy. Like, he's nice, he's easy to work with, He's mm-hmm. he teaches me a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Still, to this day, he teaches mm-hmm. me stuff every mm-hmm. single day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just stuff like that, like, I... I, and it's also nice, too, to have a bachelor's degree in dairy science because I can always fall back. If farming doesn't work out for me, for like, maybe I, like, break my leg and I can't walk around or something. Like, then I can always have an industry job. Like, and it's also a good thing to fall back on that I always have that degree in my back pocket. You and Dad talk about what's ahead for the dairy? Um, no. There's some places that have their 10-year and 5-year plans, and we don't really. <laughs> we just kind of, like talk about like stuff we could improve but we don't really have a wish list but i think it's just because we're on the same page of like how we want the the dairy to go forward so we both have the same idea of like technology first cow comfort first all those kind of things so i think that's probably why we don't really have a a wish list or an idea list but we both if we set an idea to one another we'd mostly be like yep that's that's the thing we want to do now you just got done hosting the O'Connor county dairy breakfast this summer Tell me a little bit about what that interaction with the general public that really knows very little about dairy, number one, about the technology dairy's using today, number two. Um, it was actually really fun to see a lot of people out that, um, it was like 50 degrees too, and there was 4,000 people that came out to see a farm, which I thought was amazing in itself. But it was fun to show people a modern dairy farm that truly cares for their cows, cow comfort. We use a lot of technology. It was fun to see the public like laughing and smiling and watching cows do their thing in the freestyle barn and someone would be like, don't they ever go outside? And I'm like, well, if, would you want to go outside when it's 90 degrees out? So it was fun kind of to explain a little bit different perspective that some people have as opposed to if they were farm people. Appreciating her employees and tapping into technology, two of the key pillars for that Young Dairy Farmers Foundation. Her name is Michelle Coles. Dairies with her family in northeast Wisconsin, and like she said, because of technology and the quality of life it affords her, she's still in the dairy industry. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke.
Lane's Farm and Fleet's Fall Harvest Sale is going on now with deals you don't want to miss, like this incredible deal on 50-pound bags of Agrimaster 2020 Non-Medicated Milk Replacer, Premium Non-Med Blue, or Supreme All-Milk Replacer Red. Your choice, $20 off. Save 10% on Balin Heavy-Duty Rail Gates. 50-pound bags of Agrimaster All-Stock Multi-Purpose Feed. Rewards members take $2 off. And mark your calendars for our Blaine's Farm and Fleet Ag Rewards Member Private Shop Night, October 8th from 6 to 8 p.m. Check your flyer for all the details. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Hi, I'm Julie Bowen for the March of Dimes, asking you to help save premature babies. As a mother of three healthy boys, it makes me sad to think that more than a million babies around the world die every year because they're born too soon, and that our country has one of the highest rates of infant death of any developed country. Let's work together for stronger, healthier babies. Visit MarchofDimes.com to find out how you can make a difference in your community and around the world. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. And even if we don't have anything exciting coming down from the sky, we still want to hear from you. Send us a text via our talk text line at 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Tell us, are you at World Dairy Expo? Are there any stories out there that you think that we should feature at Midwest Farm Report? Let us know. Again, 877-301-FARM. Egg meteorologist Stu Muck is along with us this morning. And Stu, I've got to say, you know, my old farmer's almanac, it's telling me Wisconsin, specifically, you know, Green Bay region, it's the average first frost day today, October 3rd. But with today's forecast, my goodness, it doesn't seem like that could even be possible. No, not possible at all today. And that, that date's a little varied, Stephanie, but I'm looking, yes, from from Green Bay to Fond du Lac and to Beaver Dam and including Madison, the average first frost is between October 4th and October 10th. Mauston, unfortunately, September 20th through the 26th. La Crosse falls in there uh, September 27th to November to October 3rd. So, yeah, we're right in that area where we could see the fall frost, the first one. Not going to be around, certainly not today, tonight, or tomorrow. Maybe toward the end of the week, there could be some talk as temperatures do cool down, especially over the weekend. But that's a long way off. And today we need to talk about a front still off to the west. 
and an upper level ridge to our east trying to hold all the activity away. The front extending from north central Minnesota to southeast North Dakota down to western Nebraska, Colorado. There's rain in North Dakota, western South Dakota, and back into Montana and Wyoming, but nothing uh, an imminent threat, nothing going to pop into Wisconsin today. We have a sunny, very warm day, record high temps. We broke a record at La Crosse yesterday at 87 degrees, a record high temperature for the second day of October. Here we are at the third day of October. We could see more of that, as I expect we all head for the mid or even upper 80s today with sunshine. Sounds really mild indeed. Now that front does approach, and there is some chance that there could be a brief shower, even a slight possibility quite late today at Lacrosse. a slight possibility pushing east then through for tonight and into the day tomorrow then, and especially Wednesday afternoon or evening, a scattered shower or thunderstorm is a possibility. I don't expect a whole lot of rain, you know, a couple of tenths of an inch or so. Not a big deal, but that front slides through. Those very warm temperatures start to fall a bit. And then another cold front, call it an Arctic front out of the northwest, drops in as we wrap up Friday. There could be a little light rain then Friday or Friday night with the much cooler temperatures, in fact, cooler than normal daytime highs in the 50s as we head through the weekend and start next week. I'll have forecast details right after this. You hear that? That's the sound of Dairyland Seed bringing the yield bigger and better than ever before. We're talking our best corn of all time, our strongest silage lineup ever, and the greatest soybeans in our history. We're talking a full lineup of seed proven to outperform the competition once again in independent head-to-head -head trials. See the performance data for yourself at showmetheyield.com. That's showmetheyield.com. And as Stu Muck told us, a beautiful day for World Dairy Expo. I'm dressing like it's summertime again, ready for that 85-degree weather. But as you said, Stu, we could expect some showers later on in the week. Tell us what we need to know. All right, well, let's talk about today. Another beautiful day. We may set some record highs around Wisconsin, mostly sunny, very pleasant in the mid or upper 80s, let's say 86, and the south winds will be around 5 to 15. A slight chance of a shower at La Crosse toward late afternoon. Overnight becoming mostly cloudy. La Crosse and Boston could see a shower late in the night. That chance very slight toward daybreak at Madison and Beaver Dam. Overnight, we hold in the mid-60s. The south winds at 5 to 15. And then there's Wednesday, a mostly cloudy day. Some scattered showers or an isolated storm from west to east. Maybe not hitting Fond du Lac or, or Oshkosh until afternoon. But that rain chance tries to slide in. Tomorrow's highs in the mid-70s, 76 or so. Southwest winds at 5 to 15. The rain chance ending then from west to east Wednesday night. By Thursday, back to more sunny skies. Low 70s with the west winds at 5 to 15. That rain chance, Stephanie, Friday into Friday night. And then daytime highs in the 50s only. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Starting to turn around by Monday, but a little cooler than normal as we head through the weekend. Real quick, Stu, anything severe on the way, or do we not have to worry about that? No, I don't see severe weather around here at all through the next week. It's just going to be that temperature change that's going to seem the worst. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. A mild fall thus far. Stu, I'll catch you back here again tomorrow. All right, we'll see you then. 
And if you do see something, some sprinkles of rain, whatever you got in your rain gauge, let us know. Our talk text line is 877-301-FARM. Again, that's 877-301-3276. Stick around. We've got Jaina Heinberg, Market Advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend, joining us at, later in the show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Hi, I'm Emmett Smith, Hall of Famer and all-time leading rusher with exciting news. Football legend Emmett Smith talking about all-new regenerative treatments for joint pain from the local medical professionals at QC Kinetics. But did you know that you can encourage your body to actually heal itself with the help of QC Kinetics? QC Kinetics uses biologic therapies that are natural, restorative, and long-lasting. The body is an amazing thing. Trust me, I put mine through a lot. Exciting new relief is here for pain from arthritis, knee pain, lower back pain, pain in your hips and shoulders. I'm that guy. When you Google shoulder pain, my face pops up. But you don't have to be sidelined by pain anymore. Call QC Kinetics to learn more about biologic therapies. Don't let your joint pain keep you from doing the things you love. There's a new natural solution that patients are raving about. QC Kinetics. Let QC Kinetics help you improve your quality of life. Call QC Kinetics. 608-319-1750. That's 608-319-1750. 608 319 1750. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit ruralmutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance. Strong. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. At Tom's Auto Center, we like to say we're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Because we're one of the largest independent auto shops in the area. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. With 12 bays and a lively group of highly skilled mechanics, we're able to do just that. Tom'sAutoCenter.com. Tom's Auto Center. We're the getter fixed, getter done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Chris Collini with a dirty little secret. Growing up, we were encouraged to track mud in the house. After all, dirt has been our family business for generations. Today, we rely on more than our boots to transport our nutrient-rich soils. We have bigger trucks and better equipment if you need it delivered. Or you can simply pick it up at our awesome dirt-filled processing plant. Take it from a worm. Trust the guys who know good dirt. Kalani Topsoil. Now that's good dirt. 
Hi, it's Preston from Window World, and although I'd love to talk your ear off about windows, today's all about doors. Your front door can say a lot about you. Window World specializes in turning a bland entrance into a grand entrance. We have top quality products, a variety of paint and stain options, and certified factory trained installers. It's a no-brainer. Visit us at windowworldmadison.com. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. This was probably Craig Council's best year as a manager. Craig Council just because cooking. Think, think about it. He's in got 20, that dog in him. In 2018, we knew that uh, on paper that Yelich coming in, you, it was going to be an upgrade. Lorenzo Cain coming in, it was going to be an upgrade. You thought you you put a couple of guys on the rotation that were either going to be good or had had past years. But you look at 2018, Lorenzo Cain had a career year. Christian Yelich had a career year. Jalice Chassin had a career year. You know, you can go right on down the list of Wade Miley had a huge comeback year. You go right on down the list. But the fact that they won 92 games this year, you talk about all the injuries and all the question marks and all the young players. Who had a career year on this Brewers team? I don't know. Did anyone? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't Christian Yelich, yeah, he had a bounce back here, but that's nowhere near the best Christian Yelich years. We saw 18 and we saw 19. It was a fringe all-star year. It wasn't a career year. Mm-hmm. Garrett Mitchell was hurt most of the year. You played a lot of young guys like Weimer and Terang, and none of those guys jumped off the page. No. Uh, Brian, An- Brian Anderson and Luis Reyes were supposed to be your third baseman. Neither of them finished the season on the final roster. Nope. Um, Mike Brasso was supposed to be a utility guy. Tyrone Taylor? What about him? He he didn't have a career year. Look at 2021. <laughs> now, granted, he's playing ball really well here at the end of the season, but yeah. that's not a career year. He was hmm. hurt. Hmm. Uh, Rowdy Telez stunk this year. Willie Adamas was nowhere near how good he was the last couple, two, three years. Did Keston Hero have a career year in AAA? He did. <laughs> uh, the only person <laughs> I think you could argue that had a quote-unquote career year as a hitter is maybe Contreras, but if you look at what Contreras did as a catcher in DH in limited games with the Braves because they had Darno and they they have really good depth at catcher where he wasn't asked to catch every day, mm-hmm. you could say, yeah, that's a career for him. But you could also say, well, if you extrapolate out his numbers for playing the same amount of games he played this year, he actually probably was slightly better with Atlanta. But it's it's a good season overall. We're splitting hairs here. Yeah. But that's the only guy hitting wise. Obviously, pitching-wise, who had a career year? Brandon Woodruff didn't. 
And he's hurt. He was hurt most of it. We're, I mean, people were bitching all year about Corbin Burns. Yep. Freddie Peralta didn't have a career year, though he had a nice year. I'd go right on down. Colin the, Ray. Right on down the list. Colin maybe, Ray had a career year. Maybe Wade Miley. Colin Ray. Yeah. Again, a guy that's a fringe big league ball player had a career year. Yeah. Hey, someone had to. Wade Wade Miley had one of his better seasons. He turned back the clock to 2018. Swan Song. Julio Tehran. Yeah. Like, when we're talking about guys that at this point are fringe major leaguers that had their career years and they're still not that good. Yet somehow the entirety of the team itself won 92 games. I think it's Craig Council's best job. The the master class of Craig Council. Speaking of swan songs, his best for last. Yep. Or how about the how about the pickups that they made midseason? Because let's let's talk about all the acquisitions that the Brewers had because we can sum that up pretty quickly because there's not a ton of them. Wade Miley, he was their expensive free agent. He made less than five million. He was pretty good. Brian Anderson was the other free agent. He had three good weeks at the beginning of the season. See you later. And then he was blah. You look at the fact that the trades that they made, the Hunter Renfro trade actually got them Elvis Peguero. Yep. Pretty good bullpen arm for him. The William Contreras trade brought in William Contreras, big time player for him. And also Joel Piams, another big late inning arm. I mean, that ended up being a pretty decent offseason, even though you really didn't sign anyone. Yeah. And then their trade acquisitions, I mean, out of the park, Mark was up there with CC Sabathia. Yeah. And then at the deadline, yeah, talking about it, he got really hot. He was a guy hitting like, I think he was hitting like 230 with the the Mets, and now all of a sudden he's hitting like for the full season over 270 or so. You have uh, Carlos Santana got really hot with the Brewers and, and playing better. The only one that really didn't was uh, Andrew Chafin, and then he put a, then he put a few scoreless innings together towards the end of the season and in meaningless games. But yeah, I mean, you look at overall their moves from the off season to up till the deadline. The only one that you can really question and say that really didn't work out was maybe Chafin. Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you this morning before heading to World Dairy Expo at the Lion Energy Center in Madison. We'll be bringing you stories throughout the show here on the Midwest Farm Report and online at MidwestFarmReport.com. Farm Director Pam Yonke joins us now with a behind-the-scenes look at the people involved in getting those dairy cattle looking pretty for the world stage. It's not unusual at World Dairy Expo to talk pedigree, but normally we're talking about pedigree of the cows, not the people. But when you talk to 18-year-old Keaton Phoenix from Ontario, Canada, you can't help but talk about uh, pedigree. He is a fourth-generation family member showing at World Dairy Expo in 1961. His great-grandfather, Fred, brought home the first registered calf in the trunk of his car. That's how it all started. His grandfather, Poppy, was awarded the Master Breeder Award by World Dairy Expo in 1968 with Romandale Farms. His dad, Barkley, also has been part of World Dairy Expo's showing, and his mom, Shelley, has been part of the showing on the shavings as well. So you see, when you talk to Keaton Phoenix, it is all about family and how he comes naturally to enjoy the show. 
first year I came down, I went on the showmanship and won the showmanship on the colored shavings, and I thought that was just an overwhelming experience. Well, the whole thing's kind of overwhelming. How many times when you're sitting around the kitchen table or in the farm office, does World Dairy Expo come up in conversation? Uh, quite a bit, because it is one of the biggest shows and probably one of the best shows in North America, so for yeah. sure. Yeah. A lot of familiar faces you'd bump into immediately. Yeah, everybody kind of knows you and comes up and say hi to you, even if you know them or don't know them. You right. just say hi, and I know your dad or knew your grandpa or yeah. everything. Yeah. So Now, you're really busy here at the show. It's not just about the reunion part of things. Tell them people how many head that you're going to be involved handling for the show. Yeah, so we got 44 head in our string this year. Uh, uh, well, I'm helping Clark Valley and Queens Manor, and we got 44, so it'll be a busy week. Right. Now, what is it? about this industry that makes a young man 18 years of age want to travel all the miles for all the work you're going to put in this week? Yeah, well, it's all about uh, meeting new people around the world, and this is a great place to be meeting people around the world and bring a few of your own and see if you can sell them and drive on, maybe buy another one while you're down here. You you mentioned that when you were younger and just barely got started, you, you got bit by the dairy bug. What does that feel like? There's a lot of people that are listening that have no idea what that feels like. Yeah, like, I don't know, when I was younger, I started showing cattle and just kind of doing well, and you kind of get that feeling for it, especially last year I led the first place summer yearling, and just that overall overwhelming experience in the center attention on the colored shavings felt pretty good. Your other buddies, are they involved in the dairy industry, or you got friends that are not involved in agriculture? Do they understand? Yeah, they don't totally understand, but I don't know. You can only explain so much, but I like it, so it doesn't matter what they think. What about the hours? Now, you're 18. I mean, there, that's, that's a lot of work. you got a lot ahead. How many hours do you think you're going to put in? Give them a sense of your average day, Keaton. Uh, I don't know. We, we've we been getting up around 4 and kind of going to bed around 9, 10, 10 feeding, and then go to bed and wake up at 4 again all the next morning. <laughs> Not a lot of, I mean, you socialize, but not a lot of break or fun. People don't shouldn't think this is just a party. Yeah, no, no, for sure. It's a lot of hard work and trying to get them out looking the, as, as uh, I don't know, best you can. Yeah. And, yeah, so. What was the trip like coming down? Now, people have to understand you guys are very, very careful with these animals to make sure that you arrange everything just right to get them here. Help them understand what the trip coming down was like. Sure. So I'll like so I'll start loading the tack trailer, figure out who's gonna go with the tack trailer, come set up before the cattle. So I came down to help set up with the cattle and then had to get all the cattle charted across the border and then they came across the next day and now we're here. How was it how difficult was it to get them across the border? That had gotten to be an issue a few years back. Was it very difficult? How much did you have to range in advance? Yeah, no, it, you got to all starts like a couple months before starting to figure out what you want to take and kind of you got to get them tattooed, blood worked on. And I don't know, it just if you do everything right, you won't you won't really have a problem. But if you miss a few steps, you'll be in trouble. Well, and did they have a border guard there to make sure that you guys got taken care of expeditiously instead of leaving cattle standing on a trailer? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. So you have a set time, what time you got to be at the border and we yeah, bring them in and then you yep. keep on your way and if there's any problems you get turned back but we were all good so how many hours did it take to bring them uh like 12 hours so and did you come straight or did you stop take a break no we actually 
went to Ohio first and uh, stopped and then came right here. These dairy cattle, especially the ones you're working with, are used to being traveled around. They they know when they're in show mood. But you've got to kind of be careful when you bring them in and giving them some time. They're like athletes. They need some time to rest up and get get unstiff. Huh? Tell me a little bit about how you take care of them once they get off that truck. Yeah, no. So when they get off the truck, we're going to take them for a nice walk to the wash rack or give them a little, wash them and give them lots of feed. And when they get in, and maybe if it's hot, maybe make sure there's lots of fans on them and they'll lay down, eat a bit, lay down and for a good couple hours and then they'll get up because it's been a longer truck ride and then they'll start eating and filling out better more and it'll it all comes together timing is everything when it comes to world dairy expo again that's keaton phoenix from ontario canada very busy young 18 year old third generation of the family that's called world dairy expo part of their family history dynasty in dairy just one of the stories we'll be sharing you this with you this week from world dairy expo 2023 i'm pam yankee If we look at the month of October in the Old Farmer's Almanac, it says this month is going to bring above normal temperatures to Wisconsin and near normal precipitation. From what we heard from Stu Muck this morning, it checks out so far. The Old Farmer's Almanac also tells us that because the moon is positioned just right, today is a good day to move from your old house to your new one. That's right. If you're in the process of moving, whether it's boxes, furniture, today is the best day to do so. And let's hope it's also a good day to move cattle if you're fitting or showing at World Dairy Expo. In other news, consumer habits have certainly changed since the pandemic, and this includes how much we've all been snacking. Convenient, healthy snacks are trending, and it's an opportunity for the dairy industry. This is according to Audrey Gerard, an assistant professor in the Department of Food Science at UW-Madison. She recently picked up a grant from the UW Dairy Innovation Hub to look at how to get some lower-value nutritional dairy components into snack foods. The goal would be to meet that market demand while also raising the value of those dairy components. The idea is that we get one year of funding to try to um, work on some of the key aspects that they're trying to develop within the dairy industry. So for my project, um, that was working on collaborating with um, industry partners and trying to increase um, the value in the chain for dairy producers, um, whether that's the manufacturers or the dairy um, farmers themselves. You're looking at ways to bring dairy components into snack foods in a way that would enrich them to be higher protein. Are people looking for snack foods with high protein that comes from a dairy product? There's certainly a demand for high protein products and for better for you snacks whether that is some kind of health benefit like anti-inflammatory properties, which we know there's some proteins in dairy that have those properties, or um, other health benefits. So we thought highlighting that we could add in protein from dairy as well as fiber um, would be really good within snack foods. People are snacking all the time, especially since the pandemic. Snack food occasions have risen. So the amount of people time that people are snacking has risen. Um, And so having these better-for-you snack foods is in high demand, for sure. Whether or not they're specifically asking for dairy is a little different, but they're really interested in these proteins, and high-quality proteins like those that we find in dairy are really important. So tell me how dairy fits this role. What components are you using, and where do the components come from? Are they coming straight from the milk, or is it a byproduct of another process? So we're looking at a byproduct. So we are looking to add components that come from the cheese making process. So when we make our cheese, 
we get the cheese, but then there's a lot of whey that's left over. And a lot of us know about whey. We know about whey protein isolates. So this is a, a, function, or a, a fraction that gets separated off and is used in a lot of nutritional products, um, has a, a high market value. But then there's everything else that's left over. And what do we do with that? Right now, it doesn't have a ton of demand. Most of those components don't have a ton of demand. And that's what we're trying to help facilitate. You can listen to the full interview with Assistant Professor Audrey Gerard at MidwestFarmReport.com on our podcast page. Again, she's looking to bring value to lower value whey components by putting them into snack foods. In turn, this meets a consumer demand for high-protein, high-fiber snacks. Now let's take a look at our dairy markets on a Tuesday morning. From Chicago, the November Class 3 milk contract is trading up 4 cents at 17.32 a hundredweight. December milk is unmoving at 17.48 a hundredweight. If we look ahead to January 2024, that contract is down 8 cents at 17.91 a hundredweight. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was up 6 and a quarter cents at $1.54 and a quarter. The 40-pound block cheese unchanged from last week at $1.72 and AA butter closed up 4 cents at 3.34. Our grain markets are mixed this morning. December corn is down 2 and a quarter cents at 4.86 and a half. November soybeans down a nickel and a quarter at 12.71 and 3 quarters. Cash wheat is up a penny and a half at 5.66 and a quarter, but July 2024 new crop wheat is down a half a cent at 6.30 and a half. Stick around, market advisor John Heinberg is coming up. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor lineup at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile Chunk Gill. Keep up with Pam at MidwestFarmReport.com and on Facebook at Fabulous Farm Babe, on Twitter at Fab Farm Babe, or by downloading the Midwest Farm Report app. Your healthcare journey in a hospital system can give you the heebie-jeebies. From navigating the parking garage to sitting in the crowded waiting room worrying about the results and cost. MH Imaging in Middleton performs MRIs, CTs, x-rays, and ultrasounds for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And parking is just a few steps away. Results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Bringing home the bacon, literally. 
This is the Midwest Farm Report. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, rounding out your Tuesday morning. Market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend is along with us. You can find them online at totalfarmmarketing.com. And John, let's get right into it, kind of like we always do, the crop progress and condition report. It showed a little improvement for Wisconsin corn and pasture condition. We had a, a little progress going on up here in the harvest, um, but does condition matter so much anymore because of how far along we are so far with the fall harvest? No, right now condition doesn't really mean anything in terms of what the market's looking for because obviously so we're seeing things break down and get ready for the harvest window. You know, so the one thing we really are focused on is what's the pace of harvest here and are we getting this crop in? And right now we're ahead of schedule, but uh, a little bit less than the market thought here on last night's report. Corn harvest about 23% nationally. Typically it's around 21% on a five-year average. So we are seeing some early progress there. Soybeans also 23% completed, 22% as a five-year average. The market was thinking we'd be a little bit further along, but we did have quite a bit of moisture through definitely the northern part of the grain belt over the last uh, few handful of days, and I kind of kept some guys out. You know, plus just talking to a few people on the maturity side of things. Uh, there's a lot of variability sometimes within fields, and uh, but I think this week, uh, you know, as we got this uh, nice warm weather coming through here, things are going to really kick in here. Most of the guys I was talking to yesterday were rolling full steam and uh, reporting a lot of variability in terms of the yield, but the biggest thing I keep hearing from guys, which makes me a little concerned maybe where we are for supply, you know, especially in the corn side, it was just a little better than we thought. You know, those types of comments, uh, again, show us that the strength of the genetics, despite the lack of moisture in some in some areas, you know, still got a pretty good-sized crop getting put together out there, even though I know there's going to be a lot of haves and have-nots. But, John, on the flip side of that, the corn that we do have in storage, our corn stocks, those numbers surprised us a little bit. Yeah, we got some numbers on the USDA quarterly grain stocks on on Thursday last week, and then we had to kind of to see how that market traded that out. Excuse me, that was on Friday last week. You know, on the corn side, we finally actually got a little bit of a friendly number, and it's friendly according to expectations. It's still a relatively heavy supply. It's one of the largest supplies that we've seen in, in seven years uh, for this time window at 1.36 billion bushels. This, the number, I think, that was the most staggering, and but it was understandable uh, for producers was the amount of corn that's still left in the commercials are still left in the farm storage about 44 percent of that supply again that just kind of reflected a couple things number one i think the drop in prices producers kind of froze in terms of moving grain out when they you know wanted to see if this market would come back and number two because of the weather guys are a little cautious about just sending things out the door right away just thinking hey i'll replenish it with the next year's supply uh just due to the fact that the weather was the way it was over the year now. So here we got some corn that needs to move. we got harvest coming. Makes us a little cautious what could be going on in the cash market. But we've seen a nice little uptick in demand here recently for corn. Mexico stepped in with some nice purchases, seeing really good grind in the ethanol with that strong crude oil market and those profits improving. You know, So that's some of the reason I think this market's put a little bit of a low in here a couple of weeks ago, and now we've been climbing a little bit in price. You know, and it's not just about getting that crop off the ground, John. You were explaining to me that uh, water levels impact what we may see on the on the price side of things when it comes to getting that grain where it needs to go in the end game. How do Mississippi River levels look, and what what is that doing to today's marketplace? 
you know, that's one of the biggest factors that's weighing really on probably the soybean market of the two. This is our export window. We really try to get some product moving to down the river, out those uh, Gulf ports uh, to some of those export sales that we've got. I know those sales aren't as strong as they could be, but we'd like to see this stuff get going here at least and get them. You know, a lot of times it gives us a little bit of a price push. The Mississippi River is a, at a very, very low stage, and they're running already re barge restrictions in terms of the amount of bushels they can carry on those vessels. Vessels, that's sending freight costs, throw in the cost of uh, the energy costs that we've seen kick in here too. And that's coming back to the producer as basis. I had, had one producer even talk to me yesterday that a soybean basis dropped 30 cents a bushel over the weekend because right now this market is telling us we don't want your soybeans in the front end here. And that's why you're seeing the market trade the way it is just because of that inability to get that product moved down the river. And that's just coming into play in the cash market here for soybeans. Corn is not quite as big effect yet at this time frame but it will have some impacts because obviously like i said this is the soybean shipment window where we want to get those beans down the river uh but the corn side of it's still just going to be there as well as things just kind of back up until we get some good moisture to get that river levels back up where we need them you know and another a point that you brought up to me john is not just what's happening in agriculture but a lot of questions you're getting are things that um are outside of ag interest rates the U.S. dollar climbing. Tell me what's going on in the the global market when it comes to the U.S.'s um, ranking when it comes to our dollar. You know, it's something we got to really keep an eye on. We had the Fed meeting a couple weeks back. They didn't change interest rates at that meeting, but they made the comment that they're going to interest rates are going to stay here for a long time at these levels, or maybe even stay stronger. And we've seen the market really kind of react. And one thing we watch this is a little bit outside the box, maybe here, but we watch bond prices. Bond prices drop, which as they continue to drop, that indicates higher interest rates down the road. That's a tighter U.S. dollar supply. The U.S. dollar continues to climb higher, breaking out to the through some upside areas now. So I'm just getting a little cautious. When's that start coming into play in terms of the export market and U.S. commodities? It could be something that's going to lead us to a very volatile end of the year. So it's something I just got on the radar for our producers, you know, that things are definitely going to be you know, still an influence from those outside forces. John, thanks for coming on with us. We'll catch you back here again next Tuesday. Sounds good. Have a great day. John Heinberg is a market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. You can find them at totalfarmmarketing.com. And if you tuned in partway through our conversation, you want to hear everything John had to say, I'll have this up for you on our podcast page in about 15 minutes. I'm Stephanie Hoff. Happy to be along with you this morning. Catch you back here again, same time tomorrow.